Welcome to another inspirational message from City Life Center Church. If you were ever in the area, come visit one of our services. We would love to meet you. Enjoy the message. Yes, yes, yes. Hey guys, take a look at the screens. Let's say together our scripture theme, scripture for 2016. It's about this adventure highway that we're on. Come on, say it with me. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow is the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Come on, say it now. This is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient path. Ask where the good way is and walk in it, and you will find rest for your souls. Are you in, guys? All right, let's go. God bless you and have a seat. Oh, what a good day today. Hey, I just have to tell you this. When, when I when it had my little moment of lapse there, I, I felt terrible about, about like talking to my friend who was sitting there uh, next to me and that wasn't paying attention since I was supposed to be on the platform. But then, Preston, I just have to remind you, we were at the Hillsong Conference and Brian Houston, who's just like pastor of like the most, probably one of the most impactful churches in the world right now, uh, he, his wife was on the platform doing this thing, and then she goes, and now Brian is coming, and Brian is coming, Brian is coming. She goes, Brian, you know, in her Australian voice, which I can't mimic, are you coming? And then and she's like, she goes, Earth to Brian, Brian. So this is in front of thousands and thousands of people. And so then he finally goes up the platform, oh, I was talking, you know. I'm like, yes, see, it's okay every once in a while, every once in a while. To Mr. Q. Yeah, yeah. Like, like you know, if, if the, that anointed guy can do it, no, I can do it too. Occasionally, occasionally. But uh, today I'm, I'm just excited to, uh, to move forward in our Heroes series. Uh, next Sunday we'll be talking about Jonah, but, but uh, today the message is about Esther. But as I was thinking about this message a few weeks back, I, I, felt, like, I, actually, I felt like somebody else needed to share this message. And, and I kind of just really racked my brain, you know, who could, could minister on Esther, and, and, and I, I, I couldn't think of, of a person. I'm like, well, I'll, I'll go ahead and prepare it. And, and then I went home and asked my wife, and just immediately she said, well, Laura. And I went, oh, of course. And so I immediately contacted my friend Laura Allred, and I said, would you come and minister this? And, and she said, absolutely. Let me tell you a little bit about Laura. Laura is a dear friend of ours. Uh, we've been we've been friends, uh, with, especially her husband Gabriel Allred. Been friends with him since he was a since he was like 13 or 14, a long time ago. Uh, but he he became the uh, the worship leader at Christ for the Nations Institute in Dallas. So that's just really the heart. We have a lot of worship throughout America comes through there. He's now the worship pastor at a huge church, Trinity Church in Cedar Hill. And, uh, and I was just so delighted that Laura was able to peel away from her home church and even her husband today to come and minister because really the, her and her husband, uh, they're very close to us in, in many ways. In fact, early on when we were kind of doing our small group thing here in the summer of 2011, I had to be gone one Sunday to let another church know about what we were doing to try to raise some funds to support us. And, and as I said, I need somebody to fill in. And, and the only, I thought the only people I really trust to fill in at this point is Gabe and Laura. So I contacted them and they said, absolutely. And they, you guys came out here and there were like, I don't know, 15 or 20 people and, and you ministered your hearts out and just appreciate that so much. You guys are with us from the beginning, Laura. And, uh, but, and I also believe, and I know that you have a word from God for us. I heard it in the early service and I'm so excited that, uh, that God's going to be speaking through you. So will you guys welcome my friend, Laura, already to the platform. Come on, welcome her. Give her a good city life welcome. And Laura, I just encourage you, share God's word today, and God bless you, and 
have at it. This is your place. Thank you. Thank you for that welcome. Thank you, everybody. It's so good to be here this morning. How's everyone? Are y'all good? I'm so glad to be in Texas. Sometimes when I preach in other states or even other countries, because I'm a tech, native Texan uh, my whole life. Woohoo! Hold on, let me unlock this thing. I can't talk and do numbers at the same time. Um, I say y'all, like I'll be in other countries and say y'all when I'm preaching and then I get these weird looks and I'm like, oh, I'm not in Texas anymore. So it's good to be in Texas when I can just say, how y'all doing? And you get me or I can say I'm fixing to go to the store and y'all totally get what that means too. Um, I was so excited when Pastor Tim asked me to speak on the story of Esther, and I love this entire series, by the way. So who have you covered so far? Is it Gideon? Who did you cover? Gideon. Who was his test? Joseph. See, see who's paying attention. Um, I was so excited. I love, 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 love reading biographies. I love um, watching movies about true stories of, you know, especially for some reason, I love the World War II era. I love seeing people rise up and go against the bad guy. And I love seeing ordinary people do extraordinary things. I just love that because it appeals to the inner hero inside of me. And every single one of us have that, whether you want to admit it or not, whether you really own, own it or not, every single one of us has that, I'm called to something great. That's why those movies like The Avengers and you know so on with heroes are so fascinating to us because we all believe secretly that we, I'm Wonder Woman inside. I believe that a little bit. Um, and so I love this series that you're doing. And I love that the word of God, I'm so thankful that God provided us with instruction in his word word with uh, the law that we should meditate on day and night, um, verses to memorize. I love that. I also love that he provided us with so many examples of people that were ordinary. Actually, most of them messed up people that were dysfunctional, that had issues, that were murderers, that were adulterers, that were orphans, that were, you know, all kinds dysfunctional people that God used to do extraordinary things. And he did that on purpose to encourage us. That as we follow him and as we completely submit our hearts and our lives to him, there's no limit to what the Lord can do through you. Um, Esther in particular is, is one of my favorites and not just because I'm a chick and she's a chick, but I'm sure that has something to do with it. Um, as a young girl, I liked Esther because um, it talks about like when she's preparing to meet the king, you know, she goes through six months of bathing in oils and spices. And that to me is equal spa treatments and spawing is my hobbit, my hobby. If I had unlimited funds, I would be a spa girl like all the time. Um, and so that was kind of my initial, like, I love that she was a girl, but when we look and, and actually in modern day Christianity, especially American Western Christianity, Esther kind of has become a message of intimacy with Jesus. And the, that's, the king. Um, but really, it's a much messier story than that. As I've really delved into it, it I realized that it does have a lot of really hard things in it. And we're going to share some of that today. And um, I'm going to kind of catch up. I'm not going to assume that everybody knows the story of Esther. Um, it's a 10 book, uh, 10 chapter book in the word of God. It's a narrative story. And do you know, it's the only book in the Bible that actually doesn't mention God by name at all. It actually doesn't reference God at all. And, and some historians believe that it's because it's a letter from God to us, 
writing it from God's perspective to us, that that's how the author was inspired to write it. But to this day, the Jewish people hold Esther and the book of Esther and what took place in the book of Esther um, so dearly to their hearts that they celebrate the outcome of the victory of Esther every single year with the Feast of Purim. And they recite the book of it. They take three days. They actually fast like Esther did. They take three days to celebrate Esther's victory because it reminds them that no matter what happens to them throughout history, they will never be annihilated. Because it's actually a story about genocide. So can you imagine during World War II, 1938, 1940s, how inspirational the story of Esther must have been to the Jews who had a decree on their life then? that they held dear to their hearts, that if they can escape genocide once, that they can escape it again, that God would have a deliverer for them. So let me just kind of catch you up to speed on the story of Esther. Um, Kind of getting ahead of myself here. There are four um, main players in the book of Esther. There's, of course, our hero or heroine, Esther. There is the king who becomes her husband. She becomes the queen. There is Mordecai, who is Esther's guardian, cousin, but her guardian. And then there is the bad guy, Haman, who represents um, in our lives today, even the spirit of, 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 of the enemy who would want unleashed unlawful decrees on our generation. And that same spirit that wanted to annihilate the Jewish people then is the same spirit that took a hold of Hitler's heart. It's the same spirit that goes after our pre-born children because the enemy comes to do what? To steal, kill, and destroy. And that is an ancient spirit that is around forever and, and, and is just with us. That we always have to contend in one form or another. We have to contend against. Does that make sense? Okay, so what happens is the king has a wife. Her name is Vashti, the queen. And he puts a demand on her to come parade herself in front of all of her friends at the end of this 180-day party that he had, drunken, they're all boozing it up, completely drunk. And he asked Queen Vashti to come parade herself, and she said, no, I'm not going to do that. And the king, which was unheard of at that time, so the king was um, embarrassed. He was humiliated that his queen did not follow his command. And he asked of his advisors, what do I do? And they said, King Xerxes was his name. You have to find another queen because if you don't put her in her place and dismiss her from being queen, then all of the wives in the entire kingdom, which was the largest kingdom and territory of that time, it was like the Roman, like the, the, the Roman emperor of their day. It was from modern day Iran all the way to Greece. It was a massive territory. And they said, word will spread and all the other wives will not submit themselves to their husbands, so you have to find another queen. So he issued a decree that all of the virgins, all of the maidens in the land, teenagers and up that were virgins, were to be summoned to the palace and they were to undergo training and treatment and spend their lives, whether or not they were chosen by the king to be the new queen. When you were summoned to the palace, you stayed in the palace the rest of your life. So it's not the beauty pageant that I had imagined as a little girl. It's actually, can you imagine young teenage girls being ripped from their fathers and from their mothers and from their villages, being torn away from their parents and all that they ever knew to be summoned to the palace whether or not to be chosen, they didn't know. But they could never have children. They could never enter into true love. They could never have a normal life. That was their life. It's actually very much likened to a human trafficking ring. 
You are taken away. You are swept away. So here is Esther, our sweet girl, who was Jewish by blood and by heritage, but living in a Persian pagan culture, hiding. She really actually wasn't observing any of the laws of the Hebrew children at all. She was actually just assimilated into Persian culture. And her, the only father that she did know, her cousin Mordecai, she was ripped away from him. She was an orphan. She had no parents. She already experienced heartache in her life, and yet she's pulled away and goes, you know, goes into the palace. And the, and the story says that Mordecai every day, would, while she was undergoing these treatments, would pace back and front and forth in, in front of the king's gate and and just wait and listen for word, maybe from one of the eunuchs or one of the the maidens that was tending to Esther to see how she was doing. He was so worried. It's a picture of you know. When parents do this in front of the door, it's not because they're at peace, it's because they're in fear, because they're worried about how their child is gonna fare. And so you see that they're living in fear. Why else would Mordecai ask her not to redeal her Jewess heritage unless he was afraid that something would happen to her? At the same time, just kind of coincidentally, there's another group of Hebrew children Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who are not assimilated into Persian culture, who are still living, they're not living in Jerusalem, but they are men who are proud of their faith and they're bold with their faith. This is all happening at the same time as Esther. And I mentioned this earlier, but sometimes when I read this, I question my heart and wonder myself, Have I so assimilated into American pop culture in 2016 that people don't recognize that I'm actually a woman of God and I'm a a Christian? It's a challenge for us that we would strongly live our faith and that someone, you would be so um, true to who God has called you to be that if you're in your workplace, I'm not saying you have to go and lay hands on people and like, you know, you know, put a screensaver on your computer every day that says scripture verse or something like that. I'm just saying that you are so full of the presence and the spirit of God that people go, there's something different about her. There's something different about him. I want, very often I feel like I, I, I can cave into the fears of modern day America 2016 the American race of the, the rat race of being on the, you know, just doing better, the American dream, the American dream. And I just, anyway, that's just my challenge. Does that make sense to you guys? Okay. Um, so where was it in the story? Okay. So the bad guy, Haman, um, is the right hand to the king and he is leaving the king's courts and it has be, be, made, been made law, it has been made law that whenever Haman passes by, that all of the people in the land are to bow before Haman and to give homage to him. Will Mordecai, being a man of faith, even though he wasn't super proud in his faith, knew that it was against Hebrew law to bow before any man. So he refused to bow before Haman. And it so angered Haman that he convinced the king to issue a decree that all of the Jewish people and the entire territory should be annihilated because they would go against his rules. They they didn't have his best interest at heart. So the king gave 
his signet ring and signed a decree that on a certain day, let it be known. Can you imagine this? Let it be known that on this day, the 13th day of Adar, so let's just say the 13th day of July or August, anyone who is Jewish in this territory, just know that people have uh, law by law can kill you and your children and your family and take your spoils. Oh, and by the way, they will get paid for it. This is just like a chapter out of 1938 when Crystal Knight, you probably learned about that in school when they gathered up all the Jews. Can you imagine the mayhem and the fear that shook Germany or the mayhem and the fear that shook Susa? That's the city that this happened in, the capital city. Very often when we read stories like this, I'm so guilty of this. I'll read the story and I already know the outcome. And very often I don't actually put myself in the place of those heroes or those people. We kind of read it with prejudice because we know that God's victorious. So we kind of like, we just read it and don't really put ourselves in their place. But just for a minute, at the end of the last verse in chapter three of Esther says, this city of Susa was in confusion. This year, 2016, we've been able to turn the news on and see a lot of scenes of confusion. Orlando, Nice, Paris. We've seen it in our own Dallas, just right down. We have seen and know just even a twinge of what that confusion feels like. That's the same spirit that was unleashed by this decree. So I'm gonna catch, pick up on the story. If you have your Bible or your app, can you open it to Esther chapter four? This decree has just been signed. People are confused. Let's read Esther chapter four. When Mordecai, Esther's uncle, learned all that had been done, he tore his clothes. He put sackcloth and ashes on and he went out into the midst of the city and he wailed loudly and bitterly. And he went as far as the king's gate for no one was allowed to enter the gate with sackcloth and ashes. In each and every province where the command and the decree had come from the king, there was great mourning of the Jews. And there was fasting and there was weeping and there was wailing and many lay in sackcloth and ashes. And Esther's maidens and her eunuchs came and told her and the queen writhed in great anguish. And she sent garments to clothe Mordecai that he might remove his sackcloth from him. And he did not accept them. And then Esther summoned her eunuch attached from the king's eunuchs whom the king had appointed to her and ordered him to go to Mordecai to learn what was and why it was. And so the eunuch went to Mordecai to the square in front of the king's gates. And Mordecai told him all that had happened and the exact amount of money that Haman had promised to pay the king's treasures for the destruction of the Jews. He also gave him a copy of the text from which the edict had been issued in Susa for their destruction that he might show Esther and inform her and to in order to tell her to go to the king to implore his favor that she might plead with him for the for her people. Pause. I just again don't want to assume that anybody knows the story. Esther was chosen to be the king's queen. When she spent her night with him, her one night with him, he found favor in her and she was chosen to be his queen. It didn't mean that it was a love marriage relationship like Pastor Rebecca and Tim Woody's. It means that whenever he wanted her, he would just call her, basically buzz her. No relationship, no intimacy. Okay, anyway, back to the story. The eunuch came back and related Mordecai's words to Esther and then Esther spoke to him and ordered him to reply to Mordecai and say, um, 
Mordecai, all the king's servants and all the people of the king's provinces know that I, for a man or a woman who comes to the king, to the inner court, who is not summoned, who is not, um, he has but one law, that he be put to death unless the king holds out to him the golden scepter that he may live. And I've not been summoned to the king for these last 30 days. And he, uh, they related Esther's message to Mordecai. And this is, this is the defining moment for Esther right here. Let me just say this. Esther saying, Mordecai, I appreciate, I, I understand. I'm writhing in anguish too. My heart is broken too, but you don't understand. The king hasn't asked for me to come to him. And if I go, the, the only outcome that I know of for certainty is death. So we know the end of the story that she didn't die, but in her heart at that moment, the only outcome that she knew for certain would be death. And this is Esther's defining moment. This is where Esther becomes a hero. Every hero has that moment when they know that if they don't save the day, nobody will. And this is Esther's moment to decide whether or not she's going to save the day. And here's Mordecai's last challenge and his last appeal to Esther. He says this, then Mordecai told him to reply to her, Esther, do not imagine that you are in the king's palace to escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief will arise from the Jews from another place and you and your household will perish, your father's household. And who knows Esther, whether you've attained royalty for such a time as this. Those are Mordecai's words that are burning in Esther's heart. Her only father that she's known, he's saying to her, Esther, you have to be a voice. This is the same father figure who said to her a few months or years ago, don't let anybody know that you're a Jew. Now he's saying to her, Esther, you have to shout it from the rooftop that you're a Jew. You're our only hope. You're our only hope. This is your opportunity. Who knows whether all that you have been through in your life, losing your family, being orphaned, not knowing your mother, being taken into human trafficking ring, essentially, being forced to sleep with the pagan king, all the heartache that you've been through, who knows whether God has used all of that for such a time as this. And I want to say this to you this morning. You may have heartache. You may have things that you feel you're disqualified over. You may have things that have happened in your life and you don't understand how in the world God can use them. But who knows? Whether or not for such a time as this, God is going to use those things in your life to be your strongest voice. My dad died of cancer from a brain tumor. And I, because I went through that, and now when I believe and I have faith, I have another level of authority. Does that make sense? I went through years of infertility that were heart wrenching that were heartbreaking God gave me a baby but now because of that I can speak to women and I have an authority in that in that realm that I wouldn't have had if I hadn't gone through that and so many other things that have happened in my life very often we look at the heartaches that happen in our life and they are um we don't want to look at them anymore we don't want to talk about it anymore and very often we feel disqualified she was an orphan i don't know how many times i've said to the lord lord i am just one mexican girl who was raised in the barrio of houston with a plumber daddy and a stay-at-home mom and we were poor and i can't do the things you've asked me to do because god has very often given me levels of obedience to obey him and i think i can't do it i'm just one little mexican girl but the Lord, but fully submitted to Jesus, the Lord wants to use your life on a God adventure. 
He wants to take you places that you would never have even dreamed. So here's Esther's moment. She's wrestling on whether or not she should say anything. And, and, and also, for all these years, she's lived at Esther, as Esther. That's been her name. So she's asking herself, do I, at this moment in my life, do I become Hadassah? which was her Hebrew name. That was her God-given name. Or do I keep this mask on as Esther and go out the rest of my life lying? This is when God is saying, Hadassah, rise up. That's who I made you to be. You're not Esther. You are Hadassah. Come on. God is calling us into our full destiny of knowing who we are in Jesus. Amen. Another thing that's super interesting about this to me, and this is where the Lord has really ministered this verse to me, is when when Mordecai says to Esther, if you remain silent at this time, relief would arise from another place. In the Old Testament, in the Hebrew, there are five different words for silent, and the definitions for four of them are pretty much the same. Be silent, be quiet, shut up, you know, keep your mouth closed. Those are the definitions. But this word is harash in the Hebrew. And it has a different different definition than all the other meanings. And it means to show deafness. To basically to turn a blind eye, to turn away from what you see is happening. And so Mordecai is saying to her, Esther, if you don't say something and you show deafness and you turn away, it's actually you being party to that issue. And what I know about the Lord is that what he calls his children to in Matthew 28 is to make disciples of all nations. And what I know about the Lord is that when we submit ourselves to him, he will begin to call to our attention things that the enemy decrees, ungodly decrees that the enemy wants to unleash on an entire generation. He'll start to call that to your attention, whether it's human trafficking or racism or abortion or maybe dysfunctional families or whatever. It doesn't have to be a major issue, but it's something that's unique unique to you. When God calls you, calls that to your attention and says, baby girl, I want you to start making a difference. You can't just turn away and show deafness. You have to rise up and be a voice. I said this in the first service. I failed to say this a while ago, but let me just say this to you. We were created more than just to take up a little corner on planet earth without leaving a supernatural fingerprint behind. You, every single one of us, under the sound of my voice, you are called to leave a supernatural natural fingerprint behind on this earth and this legacy when you leave this earth. And I don't know about you, but one of the things I'm most grateful to is that God has invited me into adventures and that I have said yes to them. God has extended invitations to me to be part of an adventure. And there are very many times when I've wanted to say no, but I'm so thankful that I didn't. And this is Esther. She's deciding on whether or not she should be this voice because of fear. Fear has kept us so many times from really moving into who we're called to be. And in Jesus' name, I just want to break fear off of you this morning. You're not called to be a people of fear. So we read in um, Esther, as I close, in Esther 4, 15. Let me read this verse to you. Then Esther told them, go reply to Mordecai. Go assemble all the Jews who are in Susa and fast for me and do not eat or drink for three days, day or night. And I and my maidens will do the same. And thus I will go to the king, which is not according to the law. And here's the hallmark words. And if I perish, I perish. So Mordecai went away and did just what she commanded him. There have been times 
In 2010, the Lord, for me, the issue that God has burdened me with is the issue of life and the unborn. And it's a billion dollar industry in our nation, abortion is. Um, and if you are here and you're post-aborted, this is no condemnation. I just release you from that right now. This is not targeted toward you. This is just the, the issue that God has burdened my heart for. And in 2010, he asked me to gather 39 young women and to pray for our nation, to pray for our state and to pray for our nation and to walk from our nation's largest abortion center all the way back down to Dallas to the federal courthouse where Roe v. Wade, the law of abortion, was initiated. The funds that needed to happen for that act of obedience was a quarter of a million dollars. The work that needed to happen was years and years of toil and laboring, tons of spiritual warfare. It was a, it was a big thing. And I remember pacing the floor and wrestling over this, thinking, Lord, why have you asked me to do this? I'm just one small Mexican girl, not small as in size, just little. <laughs> I can't do this. And then I remember thinking, if I perish, I perish. If it flops, it flops. If it doesn't succeed, it doesn't succeed. But what if it does? If God's asked you to do something and you wrestle with the outcome, if you pray for a person who's sick and they don't get healed, a seed was planted, if they don't get healed, but what if they do get healed? If you witness to a coworker and they don't accept Jesus, it's not up to you. You put that seed in their heart, but what if they do get saved? Or you witness to a family member, what if they do get healed? If you if your reputation is thrown away, it doesn't matter if you the kind of obedience that God wants from us is if I perish, I perish. If my reputation is gone, it's gone. It doesn't matter. Um after one of these acts of obedience that was so heart-wrenching. I tweeted this, and I, I said this to the first service, don't follow me on Twitter because I don't tweet anymore. You'd be so disappointed. But at the time, I was tweeting quite a bit, and I tweeted this. I would rather risk my heart on a God adventure than to live life in an ordinary way. I would rather risk my heart on a God adventure and say that I, I said yes, even though I don't know what the outcome is going to be, that you say yes in the front end, even though you don't know the end. Esther said yes, even though she didn't know the end. She, she could have had her head chopped off, but she said yes. I would rather risk my heart on a God adventure than live just a comfortable, normal life because that's not in your DNA. What's in your DNA is to leave a supernatural fingerprint on this earth and to have a legacy. And that tweet was favorited more than any of my other tweets ever, ever, ever. So then I just quit on a high note. I just stopped right then. So after Esther said, if I perish, I perish, perish, she went away for three days and she fasted and she prayed and she fasted a hardcore fast. She had no water and no food for three days. And it was in that time, in those three days of fasting and seeking the Lord and appealing to the throne room of heaven and grabbing, you know, sometimes, can I just say this? Sometimes in order to fulfill your destiny, like Cindy Jacobs says, sometimes you have to have a little carpet fiber in your lung from being on your face before the Lord and just inhaling carpet fiber and crying out to God. That sometimes where the destiny comes 
Strength comes through struggle. We've been watching the Olympics. Have you been watching the Olympics? And these guys have these huge muscles and they, they're winning these gold medals, but we don't know all the years, the struggle that they've been through to, kind of, to find that kind of strength. Strength comes through struggle. She fasted for three days. She attained a favor in the heavenly realm that gave her favor in the earthly realm. She attained influence and favor with the king of heaven before she attained favor in the eyes of man. And that's what gave her the courage. That's what gave her the anointing to execute the obedience before the Lord was her radical act of obedience of fasting and prayer. And I just feel like somebody needs to hear that this morning. I feel from the Lord that there are some in here that you just kind of feel stuck in life. You kind of just feel like you're like, neat, neat. Like you just really haven't gone anywhere or done anything. And you're like, you know, I'm doing everything I know I'm supposed to do. And you just kind of feel stuck. But there's a desire in your heart to do more. And I just want to encourage you as a word from the Lord, it comes through the radical kind of seeking the face of God where you get the strategy. And we see that Esther emerges from that time of fasting. She has a divine strategy from Jesus. She unlays all these banquets before the king and she doesn't just come out and ask her. She has a divine strategy. She's keen, she's smart. And she ends up reversing the decree, hanging Haman on the gallows that he built for the Jewish, for her cut for uncle Mordecai, then reversed it all. But it came from that radical kind of seeking the face of God. And can I just say, sometimes things just don't come easily. And you know what? That's okay. Sometimes confrontation brings out the gold in you. Mordecai confronted Esther. Esther, you have to do this. And it was in that confrontation that she arose to the occasion. So I'm going to pray for you this morning. And I believe that in this room, there are still destinies to be unlocked. I believe for many of you, you've tasted a, a fruit of the fulfillment of what God has called you to. But I believe for many of you, um, there is yet to even be unfolded things that you hasn't even, maybe it's crossed your mind, but you thought, oh, pff, no way could I do that. The Lord says, I have put that dream in your heart, even as a little seed, and I will water it through. Oh, I just even see tears and, and, and travail and that, that will water those seeds of destiny in your heart. God, we thank you for the example of Esther who stepped into bravery and courage. And God, I declare that word over my brothers and sisters in this place. Lord, for the city of Fort Worth, for the county, for Tarrant County, for the surrounding areas, for every family. Sheesh. Even dysfunctional families, I just feel that there are some who your family is so dysfunctional that you feel like that's such a disqualifier and you desire to see healing brought to your families. I release by the word of the Lord and the, just the breath of Jesus and the unction of the Holy Spirit, healing to families and to the wounds that have been in families for generations. God, we say yes to enter the God adventure with you. If we perish, we perish. If we lose our reputation, whatever. But we want to see you glorified in this earth, Jesus. Amen. Man, will you guys just, uh, will you all, will you all just stand with me right now? And, and uh, I want us to, I want you guys just to lift your hands to the Lord if you feel comfortable doing so. Just please do. Just ask God right now to pour out his blessing on your home, on your family, on your life, on, on your comings and goings.
I'm gonna tell you guys, you have no idea what God has planned for you right around the corner right around the corner tomorrow that you may step into and you're going to need God. So God, we just cry out to you right now. We say, God, pour yourself into us. God, we, we don't want to just wobble through life on our own. No, God, we want you to direct our steps and lead us and guide us. and Pour your spirit into us, God. God let us have the courage that Esther had, the courage to do what seems impossible you will empower us, us as just simple, flawed people who have had all the odds against us. You can change everything and turn it around through us in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Right now, I'd like for you just to hone in on your own spiritual walk with God. You might be here this morning and you're not in right relationship with Jesus. Things are just not right. And maybe you've never asked Jesus to become the Lord of your life. And, and, uh, and you may be far from God this morning, but I wanna tell you this Jesus that we talk about around here is one who is close and he's here for you. He doesn't want you to, to, to just go through life and, and end it with an eternity of destruction. He doesn't want that for you. If you want to receive Jesus, if you want to give your life to him, you want to say, you know what, I'm just going to draw a line in the sand. I want, I want Jesus in my life. I'll tell you what, it's as simple as just praying and asking for him. And if you need Jesus, you want to serve Jesus with all your heart and your life. You want to give up your sin. You want to be forgiven and washed clean today. I want to pray with you. So lift your hand. If you want to be included in this closing prayer, lift your hand for me. Say, Pastor, I need to know Jesus today. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Who else? I need to know Jesus today. Thank you. I want to make things right between me and God. If you lifted your hand, pray this prayer with me along with everyone else in this room. Let's give our lives to Christ. Dear Jesus, I come to you this morning with a broken heart and I ask you to forgive me of my sins and I ask you to wash me in your blood. I know that you died for me, so I give my life to you. And I also ask you, God, to use me as your instrument in this dark world because I know that you have a plan for me. So God, have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. For more information on how you can get involved with City Life locally, text CONNECT to 41411. Again, that's connect to 41411. Or visit us online at citylifecenter.org. We would love to meet you.